Good afternoon. And welcome to Why Is This a Thing? A show that we've been waiting for for quite some time. Mm. And it's finally here. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yeah. In theaters this week, starring Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. Um... Guys, this is this is a big moment for us. It <laughs> feels like it. Yeah. Feels like a movie that was designed for us. Yeah, it feels like the end of a journey in many ways, yeah. and <laughs> like the culmination of something. You know, is this it though? Doesn't I mean, it probably end? not? Doesn't it? Doesn't it end when Nick Cage dies? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and at this rate, it's never going to happen. I guess not. No, <laughs> I, I am hoping with this film that we just birthed a new dynasty, a new a new uh, uh, Fast and Furious esque dynasty of. Unbearable weight of massive talent films. Now, would you want Nick Cage sequels or would you want other actors put in this format? I want Nick Cage doing a buddy cop film with different actors every time. Okay. Okay. Replace Pedro Pascal every film. (laughs) Got it. I see. I'm cool with that. But you want these to all be, you know, fictionalized versions of Nick Cage. And, And I want all of them to involve just people who are obsessively fans of nick cage i want okay. all of them to own nick cage memorabilia yeah <laughs> I, like <laughs> i want this movie just recast pedro pascal the, the, every time <laughs> just keep doing it <laughs> guys there's a lot of us in this movie nick's pillow is in nick's the movie. pillow is literally in the movie your, your pillow made a cameo and i like leapt out of my seat i not just out. made a cameo nick Nicholas Cage himself touched the pillow. He caressed your pillow. Nick. He touched it. Oh my god! Did you feel violated? Did you feel alive? What was that like? <laughs> I felt aroused. Oh my Ooh. goodness! Are we sure if he uh, snuck into Nick's house in the middle of the night, took the pillow, and used it in the movie? It's uh, possible. <laughs> it's very possible. I would say. I, Knowing I, Nick, I would check with, the pillow with his, for stains, Adam. Where, with Nick. his CIA skills, with his, I his, think it is very likely. His newly acquired CIA skills. Very convincing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. I, I, before we talk about the movie itself, um, I want to know what your guys' movie going experience was like for this film. Oh, because it was uh, it. pretty eventful <laughs> for me. Did, did, I guess we all I guess we all had because even I had had a thing that happened. It's like, why? What, what was what was the omen around this movie for us? It's weird well, because it attracts people like us. Yes. Yeah. Yep. This yep. movie was made for people like us and no one mm. else. First of all, crazy packed house mm, opening really? night. I went on Thursday, same night as the Northman was opening. The the Northman theater was mostly empty. The unbearable weight of massive talent theater was packed to the brim. <laughs> I had, I had the to, opposite. I had to order ahead of time. Like it was it was wild. Interesting. So you had the opposite effect, Nick. I did. I, so I did a double feature. I saw mm. Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and immediately walked into another theater and watched The Northman. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, should we watch, do we talk about The Northman now or should we save it to the end? How do you want to do this? Because I have a lot of thoughts on The Northman. So do I. <laughs> you want to talk? Nick, what do you okay. want to do? You want to pivot? No, you, d- you, no, no, you decide. You decide. Let's pivot. Dealer's choice. All right, pivot to pivot. The Northman? Yeah. Let's pivot. Okay. Real quick. Adam and I just saw it this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yeah, we did. And uh, like I said in the other show, I have felt the need just to stab Adam in the throat ever since I was watching it. Like, it's just... Have you, have it is, ever, <laughs> I have not seen this much, like, shirtless buff man screaming since 300. Testosterone is not the correct word. It is. A, it is the f- most... It, it's, it's 
perhaps the most insane film I've seen. It most aggressive film I've seen since maybe Fury Road. And that's saying yeah, something. I would say that's that's accurate, yeah. This movie is, I mean, the only other movie that kind of comes close is Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. I guess. This movie's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It was um it very much told like a like a fable. Like mm-hmm. uh like you were reading fucking Beowulf. Mm. Right? It was very very much a uh, <laughs> a little fantasy story. There's prophecy, there's all this shit. And uh Normally, that's not really my vibe, but because I kind of was anticipating it, like, I was able to just be like, okay, this is what it is. Like, I know that going into it, so I was able to just kind of enjoy it. Did the story seem familiar to you? Because <laughs> this, this is part of Nico and I's experience, because I, I, I knew about this story going in, and I knew uh, sort of its legacy because it is a very well-known story, the story of Anna. I, I, well, I got the impression yeah. that it was uh, a well-known story, but like, I, I, I don't know if I have seen or me, read it before. Nick, do, do yes, me a favor. He... Take it out of pen and paper. <laughs> I want you to write the name of the main character <laughs> on that piece of paper. You have seen the story many times before, as Just, a matter Do you have a yeah. pen on hand? Yeah. Do you have a keyboard? I, I don't remember the name of the main character. I'll, I'll spell it for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can do it, yeah. All right. A- All right. M L E ah. T H. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm watching the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, these fucking hacks. Like, I'm like, are we really doing Hamlet again? <laughs> like, we're doing it like seriously, the Lion King was 30 years ago. Alright, like this is But there wasn't a there wasn't like a King Arthur Excalibur like sword. In Hamlet, there wasn't, but there yeah. there were and also there no talking eating. lions in Hamlet. No, either. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, there weren't there weren't men drinking out of bowls like dogs and howling at each other, rolling so, around on the so, ground. So no, I'm no. watching it and I'm like, oh, this fucking guy! Like, you really think you're that clever? You're just gonna anagram Hamlet's name, like ser- seriously, Amleth? <laughs> at one point, I I thought Nicole Kidman actually called her son Hamlet, and I had to go on IMDb just to check because it sounded like she said Hamlet. Uh, and then Adam in the parking lot, like, calmed me down. He's like, well, go ahead. Tell me, tell him what you told me. So this is actually the story, the original story that inspired, uh, William Shakespeare's Hamlet. So this is the direct inspiration of all that. So the reason it feels so similar and there are so many through lines that some, sometimes directly relate to the imagery in, uh, Shakespeare's play is because it's originally here. This, this came first. So really so the point of all this Hamlet was originally like a Nordic tale. Uh, technically, technically, yeah. That's kind of because that's that's more the impression I got. I actually didn't get the impression that this was ripping something else off. I got the impression that this was like out of an old text. Yeah, so yes. that's right. That's what it I is. thought. Turns out Shakespeare is actually the hack. He's the one ripping off. Yeah, he's the hack. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, I so, mean, it's not like he. It's not like he invented Caesar. No, yeah, so <laughs> that's that, true. <laughs> that was funny. Like, I don't know. You know. <laughs> it's not like he invented Caesar. Right? So um, I think like, yeah, God, like, I actually just left the Shakespeare Playhouse in C- Cincinnati here. Mikhail and I just went to go see a Shakespeare ah. uh, play. What did you see? It was uh, the Comedy of Errors, but okay. done as if it was like 1950s, like uh, Las Vegas. Oh, neat. Sick. Okay. It was cool. But, but you were ready to rip into the North. Yeah, I was ready to be like, you guys are such fucking, you know, <laughs> but no, then dude. afterwards, North now that I, now that I know that that's the original text, th- th- that was really my entire criticism now you have to start movie. shitting on hamlet and be like oh hamlet is fucking Fuck hacks yeah yeah <laughs> just remaking the northman yeah that's basically 
So, like, yeah, through that lens, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty visceral movie at the very <laughs> least. I mean, that might be the understatement Sensory of the Sensory overload. I, I, this is another movie. One of the, we, we just did the Mammoth uh, podcast, and, and I, I made a comment towards Glengarry Glenn Ross saying that that is a movie that is always on. And the, I, it could not be more prevalent for something like The Northman. This is a movie that, in terms of visuals and sound, is always in your face. And it, and it just yes. doesn't, does not stop at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it really lives up to the first 30 minutes, which are, I, I mean, Willem Dafoe in the underground lair farting and burping yeah. and shitting. Like, it's just, it is so much man. Like, there's mm-hmm. so much man in this movie. Yeah, there is. Uh, in a way that I was not quite uh, prepared for uh, going into it on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, like, listen, it's a hard movie to recommend. Like, it's sort it's, of, yeah. It, it, it is a movie th- that I knew Adam was going to love just because, like, it assaults you. It just really, it, it attacks you. It goes for the jugular. It is so violent. Yeah. I mean, it is violent in such, like, creative ways. Like, <laughs> the guy without a nose. Oh, my God, that kill. Oh. Goodness me. First, first, it's because it's a double thing. First, he loses the nose, and then they play that up later with the payoff of stabbing him through the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, I will God. say, like, this movie starts out with like over thirty minutes of him being a young kid, and I would almost argue that's a little too much normally. Almost, yeah. but it kind of works here because they they don't just like show this stupid prologue that never like it. It it comes back. All of it comes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. it's also the only time we got to see Ethan Hawke, and I I wanted more Ethan Hawke. Like I, I I don't know. Really like good. I really liked the the stuff with him as a boy. Like I I liked mm-hmm. Hawke as an actor. Like yeah, I I enjoyed that part. I think when he gets back to the village, it kind of slows down a little bit. There are just like him drawing up schemes, and it's like there's a I lot of him and Anya Taylor Joy just being like, "I'm gonna wreak hell, I'm gonna wreak havoc," and which is something I didn't expect this to be at all. There is a tremendous amount of scheming in this movie, more so than you would probably think, right? Where it's like, let's just get to the bet. Like, why are we stringing this guy along? Other than we need to make a two-hour movie, you know? Because I th- that like the first time when he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna make this guy's life hell," and then like they wake up the next morning and there's like three bodies sewn together in the shape of a fucking horse. <laughs> Looks like. Holy of, shit! Literally looks like something out of Hannibal the TV show. Oh my yeah. so yes, like, god! It does. It is, yeah. It's like oh it's my disturbing god! Disturbing as fuck. Uh, I I think you're right. You're right in that like the first like like thirty minutes of the movie is just like so high, and it's like how could you possibly top this? You're on acid. It, yeah. it, it definitely dips for, for for the time when he's a slave to a degree. Aside from the the Dark Souls boss in the in the cavern, that was really fun. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I also loved like that he's was just great. hanging from a rope, and then the ravens just come in and just peck him down. That was great. Oh, great stuff. It was just yeah. great. Like normally that shit doesn't work, but again because this is so like this is like a fable. Mm-hmm. You just you're okay with it. Yeah. But it doesn't really go all the way with the fantasy aspect either. Like a lot of that stuff is in dream sequence. Um you know, it, there is a little bit of the blurring between is this supernatural or is this sure. just in this guy's head? And it's kind of agnostic in that way. Like it doesn't really it doesn't become Except a fantasy. Except for the fact that ravens literally come and peck him down. Yeah. yeah, they do, but like I don't know. Like it, it, so, some of it you can write off as coincidence in some way. Like it it doesn't you know, and I think part of it too is because the movie is so period accurate. Oh yeah, like Robert Eggers in his yeah. two previous movies, the the one thing that 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 you notice is like how specific the language is, how accurate all the costuming, all the sets are, um, 
and watching this, it's like, okay, this feels like something that definitely happened, you know? Um, so I, I think like it's easier to sort of write off some of like the fantastical stuff just because you know the language and the detail is so on. It's kind of like watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Very different movie, mm-hmm. but like the you buy the ending of the movie, which is pure fantasy, because everything leading up to it is so era specific and accurate and on point. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that, I think that was part of it. Like the, the language of this is just like, it's sure. wild. This yeah. guy's just a nut job. But to that point you made though about like the, 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 the feeling of the, the fantasy elements is that it's so well integrated into this world anyway. The film is constantly kind of jumping back and forth between the hyper-realistic and the very strange, like like almost psychedelic imagery that plays for this guy and, and like the images of Valhalla and, and stuff like that, which are just wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's really, really really interesting that kind of juggling act that they're playing but it feels so tailor-made for something like robert eggers because when he i heard what he was doing it i'm like a viking movie like mm. this is not like a, a hyper macho even all that violent kind of a guy in terms of his filmmaking interests but <laughs> but he just didn't care he just did, went for he it did not care and let me just say this i'm just gonna club some peasants man i'm just gonna fucking do it when talking about the third act of this movie jesus christ this like the final fight at the volcano was just having me like <laughs> seething in a good way I'm yeah just part like, of it's like is this dude in on the joke and i think he is maybe yeah but when i'm i'm watching but, literally two naked, naked man, man. <laughs> sword fight in a volcano <laughs> it's like is this you know this guy's got is like self-aware are you like poking fun at this whole genre or are you doing Zack Snyder like oh this is so cool shit and I think it's more the former than the latter I don't know is he poking fun at it or is he I just don't think re- he's poking fun at it I think he's just I, I don't know this this felt like the better version of 300 yeah yeah definitely there's like a poetry to the rage in this movie if yeah. that makes sense it's more artfully done than and it's not it's not what, what's what's the word I'm looking for um um like fetishistic in the way that a Zack Snyder or a Michael Bay film is mm. it's just this world <laughs> well, I, I, I love like you actually even though there is no CGI in this scene that I'm about to describe I, I love how like when they're getting ready before battle and they're all like transforming into wolves literally nothing physically changes on these men and yet you believe by the end of the this, this scene that they have become wolves there are some wild performances guys right like you wild. see them just kind of yeah. like going into this trance and dancing and singing and all of a sudden they are beast men yeah i was struck by a few elements of that it's it's the fact that you have these half naked men like you said transforming into beasts these like literally wolves and it's perfectly convincing with with this fire that's raging hotter than everything you've ever seen and it's pouring rain yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah. what is this what is this version of nature that's happening in front of me it's fucked up <laughs> and i love it i just love it so much yeah and i also kind of love too you know it's definitely a movie with a distinct visual point of view but it's also kind of uh, indifferent towards its characters in many it's, ways. I mean, they do a lot of heinous stuff in this too. It's they, not. They do, I mean, there is a lot of raping and pillaging at the beginning. Yeah, things are raped and pillaged, um, and people are raped and pillaged. And yeah, they, um, I mean, there are no good guys. No, that's no. that's the thing I kind of appreciated about it too. It and doesn't. It's, and it's kind of what I loved about the arc. And I, I, again, I don't know the original Nordic tale. I don't know if this ending is closer or further away to the original but like hamlet is kind of unambiguously a hero Mm. in that play and uh his uncle is is unambiguously evil 
and the stuff that they do specifically yeah he still has a tragic flaw and it's still a tragedy because he made the wrong decision yes but the stuff with nicole kidman in this movie is just not in hamlet at all no and um that i found to be like a really interesting moral quandary Mm -hmm. um and sort of, again, like uh, exploring the emptiness of vengeance and like, OK, you're getting revenge. Well, there's going to be a price to pay for getting revenge. And you can't be sure that there's not a lot of collateral damage along the way. The thing is, this is something that uh, revenge films have done in the past before and sometimes not particularly well. And I think that the prime example is The Revenant for me, where the whole conceit of that film is like, it doesn't matter how much this vengeance or this goal means to you. If you really if, if you're that subhuman in your endeavor, like it's just going to be this empty feeling when you get there. Right. And this just does that a thousand times better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a way better exploration of that very idea. Well, it's it's kind of like again, it's like it's very observational about like how man is in in this empty pursuit for power, and mm. it just keeps going and going and going, and the cyclical nature of everything. The idea that a brother kills a brother, and he ends up becoming like a farmer in like a pasture as a result of it. And they get slaves and those slaves eventually are freed and they rise up and they kill their masters and then I'm sure they will get their own slaves and they will at one point be killed by some external force. And the idea that you get revenge and you get the throne or you get power and it results in nothing like all all of that. Like I just found the world itself to be very like smothering and uncomfortable to Mm. be in. And that's one of the reasons like I can't really recommend this movie to a lot of people. (laughs) And I can't say like I really enjoyed myself the entire time because like I was just reminded of how evil and uncompromising this world was. And I kind of wanted to get out of it, you know, (laughs) but I can't argue that like it is a, it's objectively a, made movie. It's yeah. objectively a great film. Yeah. yeah. But it's not necessarily going to be everyone's cup of tea, no. Willem Dafoe in those scenes too. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> How about you, young cub? <laughs> and then even even the fucking head that was supposed to be Willem Dafoe's head, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there- even somehow the head was a fucking phenomenal actor. Didn't do anything. <laughs> Poor Yorick. No, yeah, exactly. He even said, I, don't, I don't remember the, the the name of the character uh, that Willem Dafoe plays, but he says "poor so and so," and I'm like, Gee, yeah, yep, there yeah. it is. <laughs> Alas, poor Yorick. Yep. Uh, I mean, jeez, it's a great. I cannot it's, think it, of better casting. Even yeah. Willem Dafoe with the hood on his face, with the little eye holes, just fucking hobbling around. <laughs> Your dogs, even <laughs> water it's balls. So good. Your hounds. <laughs> you almost kind of just want the movie to be all Willem Dafoe, just, just being a total oh my god. <laughs> Just show me this guy's story. Bring me back the head. <laughs> Give me the head, please. Oh, that. Uh, so weird. So uncomfortable. But I loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's more for you guys than me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, like, yeah it's, it's pretty <laughs> remarkable. It is. It is. It is. Again, like, uh, see it in the theater if you can. Like, if you're interested in seeing it, I, I just checked the box office since we were talking about the the relative uh, capacity of of our movie theaters uh neither north bend nor the unbearable weight of massive talent made much money this weekend no unfortunately <laughs> both of them kind of bombed and it sucks because these are the two kinds of movies that i i want in movie theaters um but, what were they uh, up against again pets or the bad guys thing uh number one movie this weekend the bad guys the, bad the guys. animated film the bad guys mm. uh number two the box office phenomenon, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Oh, God. I was tempted to go see it. 
I like the first movie enough. And then <laughs> number, number three in its second weekend, experiencing, I believe, a 91% drop from its first weekend, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which is experiencing uh, a, like a collapse on a franchise level in a way that I don't think we've seen in a very long time. Yeah. It is making absolutely no money. And these were among the safest bets you can make in Hollywood for the last 20 years, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, Harry Potter's a weird franchise because virtually everybody who loves Harry Potter still loves Harry Potter, but they hate J.K. Rowling now. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. It's in, no, but it's 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 in this really weird place. Yeah. Because yeah. people I think this is one of those spots where people are coming to grips with you can still love the art without supporting the artist yes and uh but i I also think that's why people aren't seeing the new movies it can't be the only reason why they're not seeing the new movies though well i also just think you know i've seen the past two and they're both just fine i like the first one i do yeah the first one's fine fine, though like i I can take it or leave it but yeah to your point though i will say i didn't care i didn't it wasn't like itching to go see the next one after that it was just like yeah i've seen right. it and it's fine yeah whatever and i probably will see the new um secrets of dumbledore at some point uh just because i have so many fucking free movie tickets stacked up in my account <laughs> yeah. i've been paying for my cinemark subscription for nine months and i have like <laughs> well i noticed that too i had an amc account that i've been ordering tickets for for from for like i don't know 10 years and <laughs> it's just racking up like free yeah. snacks and tickets and i had no idea and it was just sitting I there didn't, well because they paused it during the pandemic and i thought they would alert me when it started back up but they didn't or i missed it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so all of a sudden i've been paying for nine months and i'm like oh shit that's why i did a double feature yesterday yeah um, so, okay. Anyway, so uh, unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. You, you had a story about your uh, theater going experience. Here? Well, yes. I mean, I, I my theater was fairly empty. Um, it was. I mean, it wasn't. I wouldn't call it super empty, but it wasn't packed by any means. But um, I mean, everybody there was just our kind of people, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I I ended up making friends on the way out of the theater with the person or the people next to me. <laughs> Like, we ended up chatting, and, like, we're sitting through the credits, and we're just talking. I'm like, oh, did you see Pig? (laughs) We're just chatting about Nick Cage. Yeah. (laughs) Did you see Uh, Bad Lieutenant Portacol in the world? Oh, hell yeah. Dude, I ended up, I I traded phone numbers with these guys, and uh, might catch more movies with them later. I love They might be listening right now. I told them about the pod. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it it was kind of crazy to me. Uh, Again, this is uh, anecdotal evidence, but seemed like a lot of young people were really into Nick Cage. Like I, at the theater, it was mostly like young couples on dates or whatever. Um, I did not expect that kind of crowd at all. Mm. Um, so I I, <laughs> I I go to the movie Thursday night. It's opening night. And uh, buy a ticket. Sit down. I'm in between. I'm sandwiched in between two couples. And uh, the movie starts rolling. I'm sorry. The previews start rolling. And among the previews is a trailer for the unbearable weight of massive talent. Huh? In the movie you're about to watch? Yeah. So I go, "Eh, that's a little peculiar, but okay. It's a bold move. I mean, they literally already (laughs) have my money. Like, I've already (laughs) bought the ticket to the movie. You sure it was? You're the last, you know, I'm the last person you need to sell the movie to. Like, you already have me. Hmm. You don't have to sell them, but whatever. Like, I'm, okay, fine. And they go through the trailers, whatever. Twenty minutes of trailers, twenty-five minutes of trailers. Then the movie starts rolling, and 
I see the title card. Presented by Marvel Studios. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You idiot. What did you walk into? So I turn to the guy on my left and I go, what movie are you guys seeing? And he goes, the Nick Cage movie. <laughs> what? And so then the girl, and then the girl to my right turns to me and goes, "What movie are you guys seeing?" <laughs> and I go, "The Nick Cage movie." Oh, that's great. Cut to Jared Leto's mug. Oh no! <laughs> Fifteen minutes of Morbius. <laughs> they tricked me into seeing Morbius. <laughs> That's brilliant. I vowed never to see the movie, and they tricked me. I was swindled. Did I was they, bamboozled. Did, did somebody, like, come on the intercom wow. and be like, we apologize? No. So everybody sits around <laughs> for, like, three minutes because, like, Thanks. you know, someone's got to go tell them they're playing the wrong movie in this theater. That's amazing. But everyone just assumed someone else was going to go. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, so everybody kind of just laid there and it was this weird game of chicken. They're like, you watched 45 minutes of Morbius before anybody came to oh, tell us? wow, that's funny. So like no one Fuck got up yeah. for like five minutes and then it, it always ends up this way. It's like no one gets up and then everyone gets up. You know, once everyone realizes no one's going. So yeah, a couple guys going up and there I am watching 15 minutes of Morbius horrible movie <laughs> horrendous movie uh that's my that's my review of morbius <laughs> the first 15 minutes of morbius you should put i don't morbius. imagine it gets any better no you should wow. what's what's your um what's your film review account what's that called again letterbox mm. yeah you should put morbius on your letterbox write yeah. your story and <laughs> just and rate it as if 15 minutes was enough so uh, one star of all the movies for that to happen played the wrong movie in the theater like it couldn't have been the Northman. it had to be fucking right it could have been the Northman. exactly (laughs) so 15 minutes goes by finally the screen goes black for like two minutes they don't even turn the lights on everyone's now sitting there in darkness making awkward chit chat with their neighbors then it comes up and they start, then it starts playing. But what starts playing? Not the movie, The Incredible Weight of Massive Talent. The trailer for The Incredible <laughs> Weight of Massive Talent. Because I think they mixed up the MP4 files and this, you know, up, up in the box. They hit the trailer. So we sit there watching the trailer for Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent for a second time. <laughs> wow. Then the screen goes black again. It's darkness <laughs> for another two minutes. I'm talking to the girl next to me. She's like, wow, they really tricked us into seeing Morbius, didn't they? I heard this movie was shit. I go, yeah. This guy, MVP of the day, the guy in front of me, when the title cards finally start rolling for Incredible Way to Massive Talent, he goes, is this Morbius 2? <laughs> So, I mean, uh, just an unbelievable time at the what? movies. Just, I mean. Now, I know we wouldn't want to name a theater. Uh, but AMC Plainfield. Ri- <laughs> didn't rhyme with Shmayam Smee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, AMC theaters. Wow. I'm now selling my meme stock in AMC after that whole incident. That is, that's like a, that's a skit. You got to write that skit. Yeah, and we're sitting <laughs> in there. The booth. Someone goes, who's having a good time? And we go, woo. And then the other guy goes, Who's having a shitty time? And everybody goes, yeah!
Oh man, uh, we were having fun. That's we were unbel- having fun. That is unbelievable. So that was my experience. <laughs> Took literally forty-five minutes for the movie to actually begin. Uh, anyway, but incredible way to massive talent. I, I, I've waited long enough. I, what's another fifteen minutes? You know, true. That's what I was thinking the whole time. It's a hell of a tease. Yeah. All right, broad strokes. What did we think? What were the takeaways? I haven't laughed this hard at a comedy in a very long time. I, I'm not, and it might have been just because there were other people in the theater who were also just, but like every frame, just every time somebody spoke, we just all fucking laughed. It didn't matter what they said, how they said it, who said it. We were just everything. It was just funny. I was pretty surprised how many laughs there were yes. as well. Yes. It was just. In the theater with a bunch of people who I imagined were just kind of normies that knew Nick Cage from National Treasure. I, like, I, I was shocked how much they were eating up the Paddington 2 jokes, you know? Well, some of it was like, you know, there are obvious laugh points in movies like this. But then they're also like not so obvious. Just like little tiny inflections on the way someone says something. And every single one of them was just everyone in the theater. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, man. What'd you think? No, it's hilarious. Yeah, okay, it's good. really, really fucking. I, 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 so I, I loved it. We're not. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna come in here with any sort of hot take on this one. It is a really good time of a movie. It's a solid studio comedy. Yes. Yeah. It Nicolas is, Cage, Pedro Pascal, buddy oh cop my film. God, it's like so I love it. <laughs> this is what I, if I'm if I'm to have any reservations with the movie i am curious to see what like you know a lot of you know people who aren't massive cinephiles think of a movie like this because it is very geared towards people who seem to know the nick cage persona like you have to be aware of the fact that he's inspired by german expressionism to laugh your fucking ass off when he mentions dr caligari i couldn't i just couldn't i was like oh my god they're actually doing this they're actually referencing dr caligari in this movie this is it's just yeah it was designed for us guys it really was yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your three favorite films face off <laughs> dr caligari paddington 2 <laughs> in that order it's like what i mean it is a very like letterboxed answer though like it feels like yeah. paddington 2 was one of those movies that you know on its surface seemed like a pretty standard family comedy and was sort of usurped by the cinephiles online. And it feels like a movie very plugged in to film Twitter and film culture. And if you literally don't host a movie podcast, I'm not sure you'll get a lot of these jokes. I I have a question, though. Sure. Do we need to watch Paddington 2 next week? Uh, Guys. You love Paddington 2. I haven't actually seen it. I have seen it. I saw the first movie and I adored it. So I was excited for the second movie. Mr. Pedro Pascal might be right. Yeah, I, I, he might I be mean, right. People adore it. It is yeah. a very good movie. <laughs> it is very Wes Anderson, Nico. Okay, extremely Wes Anderson. Uh, but yeah, I cried the whole time, Nico. Yeah, that's what everybody fucking says, dude. The and they're like, made me want to be a better man. man. It. Yeah, it's like here's, here's, here's kind of what I'm recommending right now. Here's what I'm thinking right now. All right, not to. I know we got to talk about the movie, but I, I think next week we do Paddington too. <laughs> And I think the week after we do Prisoners of Ghostland. Shouldn't we do the original Paddington first? No. Do that as homework, maybe. I think we should do a double feature. I think we should do a little Paddington and Paddington, too. In one week? I think, yeah. I know we've kind of put M. Night Shyamalan off to the side here. (laughs) Yeah, he's permanently retired. (laughs) (laughs) We can come back to that later, maybe. 
Adam, you have I, more time to go watch Avatar: The Last Airbender. I guess I do. Yeah, guys, I I, I, um, I low key in, enjoy like quoting uh, Paddington on occasion. Don't look over there. There's just some kind of bear over there. I say that to like hobos in the in, 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 in the train station. I'm like talking to Abby. Don't look. There's just some kind of bear over there. <laughs> I what? thought you like talk to hobos about Paddington too. Occasionally, okay. they're actually the premier Paddington fans, the hobos. Right. <laughs> yeah, it. But yes, it is very entrenched in 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 yeah, the jargon, the vernacular, and the cultural references of um, what of, has happened to Nick our Cage. world. Yeah, yeah, and what's right. Um, but yeah, it still kind of does work on a on a like a, a visceral comedic level, and I I think like you can still get. The broad strokes of it. I mean, it's a pretty. That by the end of it, it becomes like a pretty standard action comedy. Well, if you want a comp, because it was reminding me of this the entire time. It's just like an. It's in the exact same vein as uh, Tropic Thunder. It's yes. very close to mm-hmm. that. Yes. You know, it almost feels like a spiritual sequel in a yeah, way. Yeah, I was thinking about yeah. being John Malkovich the whole yeah, time, yeah, but too. I think that's actually a, Tropic Thunder is a better comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. very Tropic Thunder. Just tonally, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. It's like you if. You either get the references, the cinematic references at the beginning, or you don't. But then by the end of it, it's like, all right, this is just a an adventure in a jungle. You yes, know? exactly. I will say this. I think I enjoyed it more in the theater than I did after walking out. And I and oh. that's not like a, a major criticism because it's a comedy and it, it works as a comedy. It, it I laughed throughout most of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish they went further into the Nick Cage stuff, though. And I, I want to know what you guys thought of the Nick Cage movies that were specifically referenced. Because on one hand, like, they gave a lot of airtime to guarding Tess. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of, like, a lot of dialogue about guarding Tess. A lot of, like, you know, th- there was a line about Mandy in the movie. There was a line about some of the more obscure Nick Cage stuff. But really, the 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 main sort of source text, the main inspirations were gone in 60 Seconds uh, Con Air, Face Off, Face The Rock, which is, I think, very intentionally like Cage's most mainstream period. I don't think it is the period that critics appreciate the most or that like Nick Cage scholars think about the most. But for people just seeing a movie about Nick Cage, that is the era that I think they can most closely relate to. And I found that to be a little disappointing. Let me ask you this. Do you think that this movie could work or would work if another actor was in the center with basically the same script, yes or no? This has been asked to Nick Cage during interviews. Yeah. He says he would actually be all for it. I can't, I can't tell I, you. I don't I think don't it know. works quite the think, same. If this is Bruce Willis, does it work? Not no, I mean, you'd have to make a different movie. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> you'd but have like to make a different, strokes. you'd have to make a different movie for a different yeah. actor. I mean, there's some actors who in a similar vein, you could pull off, some stuff like I mean in some ways I could see someone like Shia LaBeouf but he's not famous enough like he doesn't have enough movies yeah and that's the thing I don't know if you if you cast a a different actor it would also probably be a much smaller movie but you could get away with talking about you know uh uh Vampire's Kiss so yeah 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 but but they don't talk about Vampire's Kiss in this movie because this movie is not tailor-made it's like it it, it is it's tailor-made for us but it's also trying to be you know much broader and bigger than that well yeah I I think like I I think it's also just the fact that the plot of the movie kind of demands that we view Nicolas Cage as a washed up actor which I don't think is accurate 
Yes. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah. the movie, the plot of the movie, kind of demands that Nicolas Cage views himself as like a washed-up actor. Like he's not yeah. as good as he used to be. Right. And so that's why they reference his most sort of mainstream period. Sure. I think. Yeah. I, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's fair to say that Nicolas Cage is washed up. I actually think he's making better movies now in some ways. Yeah, it's almost like this <clears throat> era. Uh, this 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 version of Nick Cage uh, is based on reality until like two thousand five. Yeah, basically. And then they sort of ignore all the stuff that happened afterwards. Like, they kind of hint at the fact that he's a big spender. They don't specifically reference his, like, massive <laughs> problem. problem. What do you mean? They hint at, Nick, Nick you're in $600,000 worth of debt. Yeah, but they say that, but it's like, they, they, they explain it away as, like, he's just buying statues of himself. They don't reference the fact that he is in a lot of money. He's in the hold to, like, a lot of bookies across Las Vegas, you know? Like, it's <laughs> right. not... They don't really do the whole, but so they kind of like they keep it uh, a, a, a relative facsimile up until 2005. And then afterwards, like they just ignore the fact that over the last 10 to 15 years, he has been swinging and missing, but he's really been pushing his craft and trying for something greater. Uh, and I almost wanted this movie to showcase his range more. And I think like that was the problem that I was having. Like what separates Nick Cage from Gerard Butler. What separates <laughs> yeah. Nick Cage from even like John Travolta, who you've made face off with? Like he has an incredible range. Yeah. And I, I again they they pay it lip service, but they really don't let him show the different layers of his personality. Where I think being John Malkovich, I, I think he's in on the specific vibe of John Malkovich. In a way that this one kind of just inserts Nick Cage into an otherwise pretty fun buddy comedy. But the problem is, like, think about the movie they're making. I mean, being John Malkovich is a very strange, cerebral film that I'm sorry, but not everyone's going to like that movie. And sure. this one is very much trying to be a hit. It's yeah. just what it is. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Which you're right. I guess, like, the perfect version of this movie is the one where he's jumping from personas, whether it's his persona from Pig or then all of a sudden Vampire's Kiss or then, like, Wicker Man for no reason. Or, you know, I... I, I mean, he says the bees, the bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I wanted to see, like, also Port of Call New Orleans, of course, you know, right. and we just didn't, we didn't get there. Right. Uh, uh, but at the same time, it's like I'm not surprised that they they did that. Yes, I'm not surprised not at all. Either. So yeah, yeah. So I, I, I guess in hindsight, I'm kind of like, okay, it's it is aspiring for uh, a, a kind of meta ness and self referentialness that it never quite gets at because it doesn't really have the balls to quite do it. Like it kind it it puts some lines in there, puts some like easter eggs and that's fun. It's a fun easter egg hunt. Yeah. For yeah. us movie nerds, but like I don't really know what this movie thinks about Nick Cage the actor other than well, I he's was a actually good actor. kind of impressed that it was as self-aware as it was. I thought it was going to be less. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I, I thought it was going to miss the mark dramatically. I wouldn't say it or, or the I mark thought there was either. potential for it yeah. to miss the mark dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, um, but like, but what do you think this movie thinks about Nick Cage? Like the the writers of this, or I guess more broadly the the characters in the movie, Pedro Pascal. Like, what what do they think about Nick Cage? They say he's a good actor. Do they know why he's a good actor? Do they just like the movies that he's in? It almost felt like the screenwriters of this were not so much Nick Cage fans as they were fans of movies that Nick Cage has been in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, mm-hmm. it does. So that was what I just as as a Nick Cage diehard myself. Like I, (laughs) you know, it's weird though, and this might just be Pedro Pascal's good acting, but I actually felt like Pedro Pascal 
looked up to Nicolas Cage as an actor. And he does. He does. He's talked about it. Yeah. I genuinely got that impression. It did not feel like Pedro Pascal was playing a guy who was obsessed with the cage. It felt like he was a guy who's obsessed with the cage playing a guy in a movie with him. Which is which is where most of what you were like criticizing, I think, comes in. I think without Pedro Pascal's character, a lot of the stuff you're the, the movie just completely loses all of its muster. Because I think like every insight you can derive from, you know, what makes Nick Cage an interesting actor is sort of seen through the lens of Pedro Pascal's love for this man. It's it's you know it's just it's more so than just like oh I just love Face Off. I just I love what you created in Face Off mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, Pedro Pascal is. Talked about he was, like, he was perfectly cast. Let me be perfectly honest, guys. Yeah. Pedro Pascal is the star of the movie. Yeah, he kind he's, of is. Uh, he's really. Well, good. I have some thoughts on Cage in a second, but yeah, he's very good. He's really good in this movie. <laughs> they work. They. I mean, all right, now, and hear me out, right? I mean, I want this franchise to continue. Next one, <laughs> well, shut up, shut up, yeah. don't laugh. That's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um. No. Next one, Casino Royale style. Yeah. Nick Cage working for the CIA again. Yeah. To uh, figure out or to to help arrest the guy who he owes a lot of money to from his gambling debts. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. All right. Evil Bookie. Who's playing the evil yeah. bookie? Can it be oh, who's playing the evil bookie? <laughs> James Con. James Con. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's how how referential do we want to get here? Very. John Travolta. Yeah, I do want to see them on screen again. Mm, John Travolta. I do want to see it. I know Travolta hasn't had a good movie in 15 years, but I want to see it again. Yeah. I think John Travolta's the evil bookie. That ain't bad. I like him as the villain. Yeah. yeah, Pascal's really good. And he has talked about like seeing Peggy Sue got married in the theater when he was a kid, seeing Raising Arizona. He, he I believe, called Adaptation one of the great performances in the history of cinema. He is correct uh, in that regard. Uh, he clearly really likes this guy and was kind of honored to be on the screen with him. And, you know, I, I will say, like, yes, I do have my gripes with the screenplay itself, but it's also very earnest in its love for Nick Cage. And that's what I appreciated about it. I, I would rather have this version of the movie than the movie that is making fun of Nick Cage. Oh, God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. th- that that thinks that it's too smart or too cute or or better than Cage the actor. Like th- the central conceit of the movie is that he is one of the greatest actors alive and it does not waver from that, mm-hmm. you know, and Nick is also in on the joke. Which is what's great about it. Like, yeah. he knows where to play the laughs. He knows where to play the dramatic moments. And this is what I want to fucking say right now to everyone at home that thought that Vampire's Kiss was unintentionally bad or that Wicker Man was unintentionally bad or that this guy can't do fucking comedy. This guy starred in the Coen Brothers' first comedy. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy that that freaking Francis Ford Coppola, although his uncle, <laughs> trusted to deliver some you know some serious laughs and Peggy Sue got married like this is a guy that knows comedy this is a guy that knows how to play the notes and you watch him just the as you said before Nick the subtleties he does with his face the way that he underplays certain stuff and overplays other stuff like he is totally in command in this movie and it's not his fault that some of the directors that he worked with don't get it Mm, you know like the truth of the matter is vampires kiss the director of that movie thought it was a drama, thought it was a thriller, and it's not. Cage was like, this is a friggin' absurd comedy about a guy that thinks he's a vampire, and I'm going to play it that way. Um, 
I was blown away by his comedy chops in yeah. this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I, like I know we've talked about do, this enough, but he's he's I, great. I feel like this. he doesn't do enough comedies, and he's very fucking funny. Yeah, because he, I mean, he does the thing for 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 me because you know everyone yells at me for on this podcast for this for but the physical comedy. <laughs> Is really the, the, the star yeah. of him in this movie. Every time he has to really like do something insane with his body, yeah. particularly in the drugging scene with the makeup scene. God, that makeup oh, scene. Oh, it's amazing. So funny. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. There's, it's, it's just like, yeah, this is like like Chaplin shit. I love it. Like, give me more of this. It, 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 it Honestly, doesn't really miss any sort of beats. Yeah, watching him yeah. climb through the window. God, that's funny. <laughs> and I, I do think a lot of people, the misconception with Cage is that he's just this this um this energizer bunny that you wind up and you let loose in your movie and like sometimes you can capture the madness and sometimes you can't uh but there's control in yeah. this movie and it really depends who his director is a lot of the time and their true. ability to rein him in but the scene where he's at the piano singing the song to his daughter mm. like a lesser actor would really play that up and like not hit the notes and not like try to sing the song earnestly but nick realizes that the song is funny on its surface so he's just gonna sing it like and he just he plays that thing straight in a way that you wouldn't expect out of nick cage i think the misconception with him is that you know he's always trying to put mustard on something but when he knows that the material is good enough he just lets the material be um you know, I, I think Nick Cage is my favorite actor. <laughs> I think that's what I'm realizing. You know, like I, I think it's it's been a long journey to get here, but like I'm I'm just constantly in awe of this guy's yeah. range. Like I really love him in this. Yeah, I do too. You know, He's fantastic. This might sound crazy, and maybe you guys will think I'm a fucking idiot, but in some ways, I'm feeling like a similar but opposite to Robin Williams kind of vibe, where like where the way Robin Williams does drama. Yeah. Mm. You know, where it's like everybody expects him to be same same energy levels from the two of them in some ways. I don't know. I'm okay with that that comp. That's sure, sure. I mean, like like you said though, Nico, I wouldn't have thought that ten years ago with Nick Cage. No. Right, right. You know, he's he's needed to go through this weird journey for us to realize like what he's actually capable of. You know, or also to understand the man. It's taken a while to fully understand what Nick Cage is all about. Yes. No, but he's even misunderstood. Like- yeah, yeah, I agree. Even yeah. in Kick-Ass, even in Into the Spider-Verse, like, oh, God, really yes. good. You yeah, know, yeah. Those are movies by really good comedy directors that, you know, they wouldn't just give that part to anyone. And, like, that's what I say with the Coen brothers. It's impossible to understate how integral he is to the rise of the Coen brothers. True. Like, they made Blood Simple, which was, like, a well-regarded indie movie that did well at festivals or whatever but like was not a cultural sensation and then they do raising arizona he is raising arizona much like he is moonstruck like Mm -hmm. he like he played an integral part and i know like he does vampires kiss like the following year and and that like ruins his entire reputation but like like we think of the coen brothers as being these these uh these like uh these these stewards of smart comedy like Th- that's where you go if you want to see stupid things done in smart ways. And it's like Cage was right there at the at the genesis of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we've forgotten it. We've forgotten over the years how how good this guy is at delivering like really simple jokes. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he's he's great. He's really good. And, and and one last note too is as we've talked about recently, like he manages to be funny in comedy, but also still like he can be the man who holds the gun. Yes, yes he can. He can pull off both, and that goes back to his range. Yeah. Just 
He's got incredible range. So again, that's why I kind of wanted to see him do a little bit more in this movie. But still, it's still not. He's doing a lot though. He's man. doing. A There's lot. a lot of character going, particularly with like his devil side, which I just love. Every there you go. Wild at heart. I want. Which, we we got a Lynch <laughs> reference. Which, by the way, I haven't seen Wild at Heart. Still, oh, it's yeah. so good. I can't fucking find it. Yeah, I can't. You, can't. you, you got to steal it. You yeah. have to like go to a, an underground like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go to the Portland culinary scene <laughs> in Pig. You gotta like fight a dude in the basement, and then they'll give you a copy of oh, Wild at Heart. Maybe Nick's got a place out there in Cincinnati, like a weird little underground coffee shop movie place that he can send me a copy. Could you find I me bet a you copy? Those guys I met at the movie theater know where to find a copy. <laughs> All right, because <laughs> I would love it. it's like it's the last. It's the last. I have the it's, only. You know what it is? It's these guys work at the shop from Eight Millimeter. <laughs> that's where they are. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where you're gonna find it. Oh my no, god, I don't think so. <laughs> That's the only other Lynch film I haven't seen. That's the only one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I bet but, you you could find it in China, though. That <laughs> was pretty interesting, though, that yeah. they used the Wild at Heart character as his devil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess that it was perfect. Sense, yeah. Because I, I know I know about the character. I just haven't seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he, I gotta he pull makes that out clip. with himself. I got to pull that clip. It is a good clip. He Nick make- Cage making out with himself. Come on, guys. That's what <laughs> yeah. we were there for. Nick Cage smooch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we know Nick Cage Smooch is great. <laughs> Slaps him on the ass. <laughs> Slaps himself on the ass. Oh, that was good stuff. <gasps> Fucking Woo! Okay. <laughs> Fucking love that. Yeah, uh, how about the Boston that clip? How about the Boston I'm putting that on my soundboard. How about David Gordon Green being the director of choice? Oh my god. I was like, huh? Alright, interesting. <laughs> Dude, the Boston accent's incredible. That was great stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was um, I liked that scene The scene was fine I, Weird choice though I don't know I almost think like Too famous for that role Not to be too disparaging Of Neil Patrick Harris But like I, Great I ha- magician I have to admit like President can, of the Magic Castle Yes yeah He He's one of those actors Where every time I see him in a movie I feel like he's miscast Yeah In, in Gone Girl well, I, he's, felt, he's, I felt that he's way kind of It's funny because he's almost more famous than any of his roles independently. Yeah, it's hard. Do you know what I mean? Well, it says something about like like what he's. I mean, this is a good point to what you exactly what you just said. Like, it it only works in like Harold and Kumar because he's literally playing a a, a crazy version of himself. If you if he's almost too famous for this movie because Nick Cage is supposed to be like the highlight, and when you put Neil Patrick Harrison, it feels like a. uh, not an Easter egg, but like a uh, cameo. Yeah, it feels like a cameo. Yeah. Even yeah. when you pl- even when you put him in a completely like you know normal role where he's actually playing a character, it just feels like a Neil Patrick Harris cameo. Like it doesn't in the work. Latest really. Matrix. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't was work horrible. In the Matrix. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I do agree with you. He was the worst part of the Matrix. He yeah. was not good in that movie at no. all. No. It's not even necessarily his fault though. It's just you know he almost doesn't belong in movies anymore. <laughs> I mean, he's also like he's an enigma. so Barney. You know what I mean? Like he's just—he's yeah. always going to be Barney, yeah. and it's—it's, it's, you know, it's like seeing it's Michael true. Richards in a movie. It's like it's just Kramer doing wacky shit. We just watched a movie with Michael Richards in it last week. Mm-hmm. We thought Kramer, yeah, you know, and it's just crazy. He's always Kramer. I feel bad for that for the for those actors, but that, I mean that yeah, that's that's the problem with TV to an extent. I mean, Jim Parsons will never—he's always going to be Sheldon. No. Yeah, that was Yeah, he's never <laughs> no matter what he does. That. 
You know what though? Parsons was smart. We're just like, I'm going to do 16 seasons of this show because I am never getting this money again. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> I mean, that was that. like this show. Million it, dollars per episode or whatever he was getting paid. Like, like at a certain point, like it has fucked my career so hard that I need to just milk it for all yeah. it's worth. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sure. Well, if he waits, like if he can live off that money for a couple decades and he can always come back older. Right. And, uh, <laughs> We're going to always do old Sheldon. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to pull. <laughs> We're going to do the Unforgiven for Jim Parsons. That's what we're going for. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> Who's watching Young Sheldon? <laughs> do you know anyone? No. Can you name one person that has seen an episode of Young Sheldon? I've seen an episode. Get Have you out seen of two this episodes? podcast. Like, uh, maybe one and a half. Yeah. You are barred. <laughs> Is it good? like it more than the big bang theory what because i don't like the big bang theory at all you like young sheldon no but <laughs> he said it was better he, he didn't said say it was, it was better good. didn't say i liked it but yeah wow okay well we found him i guess because <laughs> that show's been on for like it, six years now I, and it's like must watch it is yeah. that true it's yeah. been on for a while i'll say oh this God. the um um the actress who plays the younger version of laurie metcalf's character is uh, astonishingly good. Okay. She is excellent. Because I, I think it actually might be her daughter. That's probably why. <laughs> Young Sheldon is currently airing its fifth season. Oh, wow. 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 Uh, With the pandemic, that's probably six years, right? Y- yeah. They probably took a pause for a year. Young Sheldon. Oh, okay. Yes, that is Laurie Metcalf's daughter. Yeah, yeah. And she also played a young version of of Laurie Metcalf and Roseanne. Is that right? Yeah, oh, wow. she's appeared in flashbacks in Roseanne. <laughs> wow, can you imagine? Like she what, found her niche. <laughs> my career is playing my mother younger. <laughs> oh, that funny. sucks. That, <laughs> that, does that fucking suck. sucks. You're literally in her shadow. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah, but that's like a show. It's like God. That's like being Rand Paul. That's got to be the worst. <laughs> That's got to be the worst. <laughs> Can you imagine being Rand Paul? Oh, my God. <laughs> nope. Couldn't. That's funny. God. Uh, so you want to go through the plot of this thing real quick, Nick? Do you want to run this down? It's a pretty simple plot, I think. Yeah, yeah it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we open up with um, uh, Nicolas Cage um, sort of, you know, desperate for roles, desperate for not so much money, but like acceptance as a good actor again, it seems to be. And he he's so obsessed with, with his career and getting that next big role and showing off like his acting chops that it is disrupting his family life his daughter's at therapy with him just listening to her ipod she's like no you two keep talking i don't even want to be here like she's um, scarred because he keeps recommending the cabin of dr caligari yeah right (laughs) he keeps recommending his german expressionist films to his 16 year old daughter (laughs) um and yeah he when getting turned down for the latest role that he was really excited for 
um, and realizing that he has over half a million dollars of debt, uh, he finally begrudgingly accepts a million dollar job to go to a birthday party uh, while simultaneously announcing his retirement from acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he gets uh, so he, he goes to Spain, Mayorkas. Uh, yes, it is Spain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he goes to Mayorkas, Spain for this birthday party to like a rich millionaire's estate. Uh, which is Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. And um, Pedro has, uh, what's, what's his character's name? Uh, Javi. Javi? Javi. I am Javi. I am Javi. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. <laughs> if this guy wants me to suck his dick or fuck his wife or what, have me watch him fuck his wife, really that's a no-go, okay? <laughs> really good. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, meeting Javi... Uh, he sort of um, is re-inspired by Javi, Javi's obsession with Nick Cage films and um, his idea for a new script to get back into acting. And, and he wants to he basically becomes his best friend. But the CIA contacts him and it turns out that they think Javi is the uh, leader of a uh, guns trafficking cartel. And so they want Nick Cage to help because uh, the cartel has kidnapped president what which country was it like dominican uh, yeah, dominican yeah, republic so. the, yes. the president so that, of the dominican republic's daughter so, so wait why would it be spain unclear <laughs> <laughs> is this maybe that's where they traffic the guns through maybe okay <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't think it really matters if no, i'm honest yeah, with you yeah um, uh, yeah also uh the cia uh, yes. agent his contact is played by tiffany Haddish. and i should correct myself um Neil Patrick Harris is not my least favorite part of this movie. Yeah. Is it I, Tiffany Haddish? Yeah. I, she's pretty awful. Yeah, she's like quite her and the other CIA I, agent felt very Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did not enjoy. I I I, I couldn't buy it even for even in a comedic sense. I I couldn't I didn't buy it. I just didn't like it. It felt too much like a Melissa movie. McCarthy movie during yeah, those scenes, yeah. right? It, yeah, it was always out of place and confusing. Yeah, she yeah. just didn't work in the role. I think, like, honestly, it would have worked better if you get someone like fucking Liam Neeson. Like, just really <laughs> lean into yeah. it. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah like, I play mean, the CIA straight. Not, like, as if they're a joke. Play them straight. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's right. I will say, Tiffany Haddish plays a cop in Keanu, an undercover cop. And that was the first time I'd seen her. I, I, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know her stand-up before that. And I thought she was, like, great in it. Um, that's the last time I've liked Tiffany Haddish in anything. Mm, yeah. Like I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why she insists on playing these, um, these like tough badass girl roles. You know, like I'm not sure why she's always like a cop or an agent or a, you know, or someone. Well, but also she was a joke adjacent. of herself in this movie. Yeah, yeah. and that that's like I think was... right. I think it's become shtick now. It's it, it's kind of like she's kind of trying to be like the female Jason Statham. <laughs> you know. Where she's always playing, she's playing like a tough female who's kind of in on the joke. Um, but I don't think she has as much charisma as Jason Statham. What if she shows up in <laughs> Fast X? I, I mean, yeah, she's really close to mm. showing up in Fast X. Pretty close. <laughs> Cardi B is in the last Fast and oh Furious movie, okay? So the title could not have possibly been more obvious. It was. <laughs> yeah, I. I it's yeah, a someone, choice, someone said they really should have called it Fast 10 Your Seatbelts. 
<laughs> that's what I had heard. Oh, that's funny. They did drop the ball on that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah had, Haddish, not that great. No. Yeah. No. Um, and what was the guy's name? He's also uh, one of those sort of like... When is he? Uh, yeah, he's... Uh, what's that guy? Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a comic. I watched a documentary last night where they showed a clip of him in a, in a Mad TV episode. Uh, is yeah, it... he's from Mad TV. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's not Mike Birbiglia. It's... No, uh, it's not Mike Birbiglia. Fuck. Yeah, but he kind of has that same vibe. God damn it. Ike Barinholtz. Ike Barinholtz. <laughs> He looks just like Mike Birbiglia, guys. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> Why did about. I find... <laughs> Do you know what the website for the unbearable weight of massive talent is? What? NickCage.movie. Love it. <laughs> and also, it's spelled Nick Cage, N-I-C-K. Is that how he spells it? No. 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 I didn't think so. This can't be real. Hmm. Yeah, that, that can't be right. Actually, yeah, this wait. Looks like, this looks like that's it, though. No, this is it. Huh. Weird. Yeah, I know. Get that fucking detail right. You say you love well, Nick Cage. Well, it says so on the much. poster, it says Nicholas Cage, spelled N I C O L A S, is oh. Nick Cage with a K. Oh, so maybe this is the fictional version of Nick Cage, is spelled N I C K. Oh, God. Are we going to get into another one of these conversations? <laughs> <laughs> is this the. <laughs> is this Nicholas Cage in the fictional universe? Oh, like, I hate these conversations. Does that mean Pedro Pascal doesn't exist in this universe? Oh, my God. <laughs> Is there no Mandalorian in the Nicholas, in the unbearable weight of massive talent universe? Oh, God. Nico, you usually hate this kind of stuff too. That's right. Yeah. No, I, this this is a fun game for me. I loved it. I, every Princess Switch movie. This is this is basically the entire show. It's us looking for plot holes. I thought it drove you nuts. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I, uh, I oh, I like here. If you look on his IMDb, it says Nick Cage is playing. Nick Cage and Nikki. I guess the devil is referred to as Nikki. Yeah, Nikki, yeah. But he is credited as Nicholas Kim Coppola. Did you stick around for the credits? Because I didn't. I did not, know. Yeah, so it's apparently in the credits he is listed Nicholas Kim Coppola. Hmm. So he once again embraces his Coppola name. I wow. thought that was very funny when they uh, called him with Javi Ford Coppola. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're like, well, Mr. Javi Ford Coppola. <laughs> Wow. That's interesting. That, uh, okay, I've never right, seen so him maybe do that he's before. kind of coming full circle now. Maybe Cage is finally secure enough where he can. You know, what? I feel like this is like the Spider-Man gets his suit back moment. It's like he feels oh. like he's finally earned the title, right? Like this is his big. He can finally call himself a Coppola. Yeah, it's yeah. happening. Yeah, he feels like he finally deserves the suit. You think he's cast in Megalopolis? He should. Well, be. it's because he finally understands. Yeah. The unbearable weight of massive talent, you know, <laughs> took, him, took him all these movies, took this movie to finally get there. I will say if you're following with some massive of the... talent comes an unbearable weight <laughs> as Uncle Coppola dies in oh, the street, God. in the street, <laughs> he just being shot down. by a gangster, gunned down in front of a barrel of oranges. Yeah, I, I will say if you're following some of the press, and I, I think the New York Times wrote a feature on him, basically every major publication has written a Nick Cage piece this week. He seems like he's having a good time with this movie. Like, it seems like he's in a good spot now. 
We want him to be in a good spot. Which I, I want what's best for Nick. Because I know like he's had some did some tough times the last 10 to 20 years. But it feels like now like he's kind of embraced. This is who I am. He's found his groove. I think he's doing the best work of his career now. Which yeah, is pretty insane. I would agree. For a guy that won an Oscar and was a huge movie star in the 90s. And I, I think like between this and Pig and Mandy. I mean right there. That's the best work. That's the best yeah. period I think of his entire career. Even if there's a Willy's Wonderland mixed in there every now and again. Yeah, no, like he does like he does a lot of shit movies, but like and, and they even actually talk about this in the movie. He is always working, though. Yes. yes, he's always doing movies. And it's like, it's OK if you're doing bad movies, as long as you're also still doing good movies. Well, he's he's even said, though, like for, for the for the movies he's done that were, you know, sort of like like lesser than what he would have done, you know, quote unquote, lesser than what he would have done back in the 90s. He's always said, like, I never phoned this one in, guys. You know, yeah, I always took it seriously. Yeah. No, that's and the thing. You can tell he every role he does. He gives it 100 percent. Yes, he is yeah. committed. Yeah, Pig is an astonishing and performance. It's, it's so fucking it, it, good. It's like that. I am so I'm over everybody sleeping on Pig. Everybody, if you're listening you to this off. podcast, shut it off. Go watch Pig. I don't care I have, what you're doing. If you have kids, get rid of them. Go watch Pig. I have been preaching the Pig agenda ever since it came out. So vote Pig in 2022 vote. when you go to the polls in right November. In pig, Pig <laughs> for your local Senate office. You, I mean. Best? <laughs> They'll well, probably win anyways. They'll probably have a pig in office anyways, no matter what, <laughs> yeah, it's all, whoever it's all you vote true. for. So. But uh, Ching. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What, what is How many more Senate jokes though? can I make today, guys? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're really... <laughs> Senate jokes. Why? You really got your finger on the pulse of what the kids are into these days. That's you right. know that, yeah. Nick? You're Senate really... jokes, yeah. <laughs> Go ple- Fuck we, the Senate. We, we want your dad jokes back, Nick. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, what is Nick Cage's best performance? For me, it's it's adaptation and it's Pig. Yeah, I, I'm kind of split between those two. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the, the, and the movie kind of hints at this. There is a difference between, and we've talked about this in the podcast too, the best Nick Cage and the most Nick Cage. Mm. There is kind of a difference. Like you kind of have to divide that into two. But what I, is th- the, I think you're right in that Pig is the most like straight down the middle. Yeah. It just works. And a lot of guys could have done it, but it just so happens Nick Cage is the one doing it. Uh, Maybe then it's adaptation. But uh, Port of Call New Orleans is the most Nick Cage. Like Controversial, me, like, though? That's one that say, only he could do. Sure. Controversial take here? I might say National Treasure because like he... Because here's the thing, though. With a guy with such range, for him to actively choose to be in the middle. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I you know what I mean? That. Like, that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. National Treasure 2, they kind of let him loose a little bit. They do. A little bit, yeah. In that scene where he pretends to be drunk. Kidnaps the president. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's kind of why I go at he it. slides down the banister. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, but that's why I go adaptation, is that it's kind of the, the best of both worlds in that well, way. Well, he's literally playing two characters. Exactly. Yeah. He did Face that in this movie, is, too, though. Yeah, Face Off is similarly very hard because he's playing... Sean Archer, he's uh, he's playing Caster Troy. Yeah, he is playing Sean Archer, pretending to be Caster Troy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of different. It's like layers the Princess Switch, right? But he actually has more layers than Travolta does in that. Did oh, we yeah. ever make the Face Off connection with the Princess Switch? Did we ever mention that it's just Face Off? Uh, we did now. I guess yeah, now we did. Yeah. Jeez, we did now. We're really uh, fucked up. Uh, you know, I leaving Las Vegas is fine. I'm not even sure that's. Uh, Around the top for me, though. He's very good in it, but, you know. And, like, uh, like Raising Arizona is 
great slapstick screwball stuff. I mean, that's just like top level physical comedy. Uh, he, I, I kind of want him to work with the Coens again. I feel like if the if the Coens made another comedy with Nick Cage, how great would that be? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's up there. I guess they're not going to be making movies together anymore. Are the, so are the Coen brothers not working together anymore? Is that like a real thing? Or are they starting to do more independent projects? I don't know. It, unclear. Yeah, and it's it's okay. troubling to both Nico and I. But. I, I. Yeah, I don't really know what's happening with yeah. them. What if they just figure they can get twice as much work done? <laughs> it's still their what collected work, yeah. Yeah, what if they're just like, you know what, like, we can do it by ourselves now. We've, had, we've worked with each other for so many years that we are a hive mind. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, like... I know Ethan wanted to do theater for a little bit and Joel didn't want to do that. But then Joel ended up making a Macbeth movie, which is the most theatrical <laughs> thing he's ever done. So it's kind of a, you know, it's weird. It's weird. And I, Ethan's working like now on a a road comedy. Yeah, I heard that about he that, yeah. that he wrote like 20 years ago or something. And uh, don't know. I, 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 yeah, I don't really know what uh, what's happening with them. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I hope they get back together. Come anyway. on, guys. Uh, all right. What else did uh, What else do we think about this this movie? Any other takeaways? Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I will say, like, uh, as far as like the conversations concerned, and why, I, like this, this is not the kind of movie that that leads to you know like ex- extensive like deep analysis. It's just a really good time of a movie. You know, it's different than like The Northman, where it you'll it'll take a. <laughs> He'll really talk about that movie, you know. This is just like like a, a surefire sort of a hit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a conversation maybe a few weeks back, two months ago or something, about the nature of comedies today and how they're just – they don't go for it the same way. They're not just funny comedies anymore. Yeah. And this is this is one of those that I just have not seen in many years. Maybe it's part of that comedic resurgence. I mean, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar was hilarious. Well, yeah, I feel like let's, this let's is get... the funniest comedy I've seen since like Twenty One Jump Street. I agree. Ah, there's a good. Yeah, right? yeah there's a good. I think comparison. you're right. Or at least yeah. like a studio comedy. Yeah, right. Way. Yeah, I agree you know? with that. Yeah, there are some like comedy adjacent things that have been pretty good, but like you know, like Uncut Gems is like a good comedy in that respect. But <laughs> Uncut Gems is not a comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. But like, you cannot be is... like, oh, what's a funny movie to watch? Oh, go watch Uncut. Gems. You can't do that to someone. No, you can't. This <laughs> is the first like brightly lit studio comedy in a while. That I think you're right that I that I enjoy that works by the way because there are yeah. like brightly lit studio comedies that come out but they suck. Yeah, right. Whereas like this one was solid. And and I the only thing that I'm unsure about is how much staying power does this movie have? Will it still be funny in ten years or not? I think that is still yet to be determined. Who knows? It is very in the moment. Like who knows if people will understand the Paddington two jokes ten years. Like from I now. I think there's potential for it to still be funny ten years yeah. from now. Um, yeah. it's not it's not like some movies where I would immediately be like this is only funny today. But I'm yeah, not sure. I don't know yet, yet to be determined. We will have to see. It might. It might certainly be funny to those who love the story of Nick Cage. Sure. Know, yeah. You know, forever. Yeah. So. Cassavetes meets Inuritu with a touch of Von Trier. <laughs> that's this movie? Yeah, that's a touch of Von Trier. That was a quote from the movie. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also, oh, I, really quick, I, I loved the Chekhov's gun. Or the Chekhov's guns. Yes. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I love they have the Nick Cage statue holding two real gold guns. <laughs> and it's like, okay, obviously Nick Cage is going to go get those guns later. <laughs> and of course. He yeah. does, yeah. You know, but it's just like, it's 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 so good. It's Why really were they good. loaded, though? 
Uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> because of course they were. I know. They have to be. I right? also love like the, the good, demand. the bad, and the ugly moment where like Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal walk out to each other mm. and they're like awkwardly like, well, we should probably go. And they both are like, I have to kill this guy, but I can't tell him and I don't want to. It's like, it's just so fucking good. Yeah. Ugh. It's delicious. Yeah. Delicious. It's a winner. It's a winner. It's a winner. Yeah. Gonna do well with Taddies this year for sure. Yeah. Best movie of the year, two years in a row, Nick Cage. <laughs> what a Not run. going to be awarded either time. <laughs> you you don't think anything's gonna surpass it though, Nick? This is it? This year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you like it better than the Northman? Yeah. <laughs> because well, because here's the thing. I mean, definitely in terms of comedies, nothing will surpass this. this I, I, I probably, find it hard to believe. Yeah, yeah probably not. Yeah. yeah. It, that would be almost impossible. And yeah, what, I mean, there are a lot of good movies coming out this year. I am pretty excited, but most of them are, you know, it's just like, oh, the new Multiverse of Madness or, yeah. you know, seeing Harrison Ford still running around as Indiana Jones might be a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> Not as intended, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's play a game. Let's. Pedro Pascal, I guess, is the way to go. Yeah, because we've 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 definitely done Cage. Yeah, so. we've definitely done. <laughs> if we haven't, I don't know the fuck. Every other going podcast on. feels like a Cage. So I imagine. <laughs> has it been a? Have we forgotten that we've just been like, no, we'll do them next time on the next. <laughs> the Cage you know how pod. I knew this movie was made for us because there were people in the theater that I was talking to, and the it's for the first time I've ever mentioned that I had a podcast, and they were excited. Oh my! <laughs> to God, continue talking funny. to me. <laughs> that's funny. I do that a lot, though. I always wonder how many people there are podcasters now. Oh, when you walk into a movie theater? It's a yeah. weird way to enter a theater. You can spot oh, them. Yeah. But you can spot them, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yep. They're there by themselves or whatever. And they're, they I had that experience just, just, just now with the Northman, I thought. When we turned around, I was like, oh, yeah, they're there. Yeah, there he is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Me too. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, how many Nick Cage movies have we discussed on this show? Oh my god! Shall well, we count? Let's count. Jeez, what did we start with? Pig, Mandy, Face, Face Off, Con Air, Color Out of Space, Con Air, The Rock, uh, Willy's Wonderland, Jiu Jitsu, uh, yeah, Jiu Jitsu, uh, The Incredible Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, Vampire's Kiss, mm-hmm. Bad Lieutenant, <laughs> Eight Millimeter, oh my God. The Wicker Man. <laughs> uh, Holy shit! Uh, uh, the Death of Superman Lives. Oh yeah! What happened? <laughs> Army of One. That's right. Holy shit! I think that's it. I think this is our fifteenth. How are we not the premier Nick Cage podcast? Oh, there are that's other the things. Yeah. We're definitely not. Yeah, no, we're I know. not. I know. I know. Um, I, yeah, there you go. But we're committed. This is number fifteen. I think. I think we can do. So, Prisoners of Ghostland, which we wanted to do previously, was hard to find. Mm-hmm. I believe it is now streaming on like Amazon Prime and. Okay. Um, okay. So of I, I it's actually Amazon think. Prime. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do think that is actually available now. Okay. So. Maybe. Yeah, we may need to do a couple of these. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a couple older ones too that might be kind of fun. Mm. I'd like to check out some. I mean, I could just do it for my own time, but I want to check out some of his like good films from the old days. <laughs> his good films, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you seen Moonstruck? No, like that's what I'm talking Ooh, about. So I, okay. I, I might need to just pop some of those on. You'd love him, and oh my god, he's really good in Moonstruck. How about the Crudes? <laughs> I had no idea he was in. The okay, Crudes. so was he actually even in that, or was she just like? Yeah, no, wrong? He's, no, he's he's I believe the father in that movie. Crudes okay. too. Yeah. He is Mr. Crude, I think. <laughs> I love, I love she came in. I love Croods too. <laughs> that was funny. He's in Snowden for a brief appearance. So there's that. Oh yeah. The God. man works a lot. Yeah, he does. The man works a lot. Okay. Uh, Pedro Pascal, star of The Mandalorian, even though he's never on set. What? <laughs> is star of Narcos. <laughs> yeah. Narcos, or Narcos Mexico, Mexico, I think. Though. Narcos Mexico, yeah. And Game of Thrones, too. Uh, one get, season yeah. Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. One of the best characters. Yeah. One of the best deaths. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> is he in a Marvel Pesca. movie yet? He's in a DC movie with Wonder uh, Woman 1984. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, boy. Hmm. Pedro Pascal. I think. How much do they pay him just to sit in the booth and do some? I. Uh, I'm gonna say. Lines. I'm gonna steal 50 million before anybody else does. Oh, okay. okay. 50 million. I was gonna say 88 million. I'm going way lower. 20 million. Yeah. 20 mil. 20. Again, 50. He is a Disney star. Yeah. Just for Disney. reference, Drew Carey worth somewhere in the ballpark. $5,000. <laughs> somewhere in the ballpark of 160 to $200 million. I don't know. It changes every fucking week, but I think 190 is the official tally that we go with. <laughs> Pedro Pascal so- worth $10 million. Oh, my God. That's really low. Damn. That means I just won. He's an up-and-coming guy, you know? Yeah, yeah you know. He gave one-tenth of his fortune for Nick Cage to come to his estate? <laughs> Maybe. He's, he's fucking, I don't know, he's, he's got a mask on the whole the whole <laughs> show. I mean, like, but everyone loves that Mandalorian. They love Somehow, him. he is just so convincing with a mask on. Yes, I have Mandalorian. no idea if they replaced him. You'd have no clue. They probably have replaced him already. No, nope. yeah, you wouldn't really. Never. There is something about the way he moves, like like especially in that first season, that is just a little awkward. So and it, it's just distinct enough. So if that was taken away, I'd probably notice. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. He has not walked onto a Disney soundstage in five years. <laughs> that's what you think. He showed up for the pilot, and it's that's, that's it. it. That's it. Oh my god! He shot the one they scene where they took the mask off onto a different guy. That would be face. so funny. And then they had to do the Luke one. They may had to make the Luke one look bad so that he would buy the <laughs> right. Pedro Pascal one. Oh, that was the oh, trick. I see. Yeah, I see. that's why they made. That's why the Luke face thing looked so bad. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Uh, that's it. Who knows what we're doing next week? We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll let you know as soon as we find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll find out when you click the episode yeah. next time because <laughs> we'll decide 10 minutes before we watch. That's usually how it goes. Thank you, Nick Cage. <laughs> Thank you, Nick Cage. I uh, can't wait to see what you do next. I, I, you know, I know I'm joking, but I'm also dead serious. Make a sequel. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'll Casino take it. Casino Royale style. I don't care. Do it. Yeah. I'm happy to know that we have lived during Nicolas Cage. Yeah. It's nice. How about that? You know, it's the best time to be alive. Yeah. yeah. You're okay. down on your luck. You know, maybe your wife just left you or something. 
Wah, wah, pandemic, wah, wah. You know, uh, just remember that you were alive, that your life overlapped for even the briefest moment with Nicolas Cage's. You know, we talk about how much we love 70s era films, and they're great, but no Nick Cage around. Take solace, knowing that you were able to watch this in real time. Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola only existed so Nicolas Cage could exist. (laughs) The The Godfather, number two on that list. That's right. Number two. Notice the Godfather was not in Pedro Pascal's top three movies. That's a good point. Neither was Apocalypse Now. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, aren't you happy, Nick? Paddington (laughs) 2, on the other hand. (laughs) Until next time. (laughs) I can't get over face off your number one of all time. (laughs) Until next time. You've been so very, very naughty. No. No.